Hi, Ray. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. Well, welcome back to Why Be Now podcast, where Black people are saying things you've never heard. I'm your host, Michelle, and today I have a special guest, Ray. Welcome, Ray. Hey. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining me today for another episode. We'll be discussing the dating scene for Black women, so let's just jump right on in. So tell me, Ray, um, tell me a little bit about yourself before we jump in about uh, dating. I'm 43. I have a a, a 20-year-old daughter, so I pretty much have a lot of free time, but I'm really not interested in dating right now. I'm just trying to relax and get some things together on my end and hoping the men get some things together on their end and we can meet up later. (laughs) I can feel you on that for sure. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, dating and and black women and how, you know, we tend to have a lot more, uh, trouble finding relationships and how it's been difficult for both of us to, you know, find somebody who wanted to like spend the rest of our lives with, because I feel like a lot of times that is what, um, you know, the, the American dream is basically, you know, to have that husband, wife kids married you know the whole shebang but for us african-americans we tend to women specifically tend to have a lot of trouble uh for me i i technically well technically i have only dated white men or like some other nationality and so you know i feel like what i learned from that experience is that a lot of those men tend to like exotic women and they just found me to be exotic because i was different than what they were um and, and I honestly feel like a lot of times they were just wanting to see what it would be like to be with a black woman, but not necessarily actually entertain like a, a full blown relationship. And I think, it, I mean, this is just my opinion. They just didn't feel like they could bring me home to their parents. So I just feel like I, I would never, I feel like I would never date again because I never know um, what I'm going to get. <laughs> How about you? Um, the same with me. I, I tried dating outside of the uh, black race one time when I was younger, and uh, it just really didn't work for me. So I decided to never give that a, a try again. But um, right now, uh, I'm not dating at all. Uh, the last guy that I dated pretty much ruined it for the rest of the men because it was really, really hard to date him because a lot of times we don't talk about I'm pretty sure we know, but we don't talk about the fact that a lot of these men or their mother's man and they, they're not available to ever be our man because a lot of these parents or ra- moms mainly are raising their sons out of hurt and anger for the way they were treated in their past instead of just letting their sons be a man and teaching them to be different from what they have so they make it hard for us to date them and then they, they also don't show any emotion or they show too many. So my goal is to deal with a man that's emotionally balanced. And it's it's like finding a needle in a haystack, I know, but that's what I want though. I don't want somebody who doesn't care. I want somebody that cares and that's compassionate and that's honest and that's open. And right now, um, I don't have that option. I don't have anybody I wanna deal with 
uh, for an hour, let alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> and you're specifically referring to black men, correct? Black men only, yes, because that's all I uh, that's all I deal with. Understood. I feel like I've never been like attractive to the black man because I tend to not just understand. I, I'm okay. I tried to date a couple black men, but what I felt like was they were just not developed enough emotionally. They weren't developed enough to be able to meet me at my level as far as like my intelligence level, communication level. I For me, it was just always finding someone who always needed validation for me. Like I dated this one guy or not even dated, like just entertained him. I probably was on uh, Tinder or something or Bumble or something stupid because it's really hard to find someone who wants to take like seriously I feel like a lot of times black men or even you know just men in general for me because I've never really dated a black man before they tend to I don't even know how to describe it but it's just been really difficult they just seem to not have a solid footing in how to date either. And I just, it's it sad because like he was attractive. It was just that when we were having a conversation, he just couldn't hold his own. He couldn't, you know, he just had to ask me, you know, how was that comment? Like, how was that response? Was that a good response? Like, and I'm just like, what? I don't, if you can't stand behind what you say, you're not confident in what you have to say, then I can't like do this. <laughs> I need somebody who has backbone and I feel like I tend to run into men that just don't aren't developed enough to be on my level well unfortunately I, I have the same issue a little bit I, I I meet a lot of men that aren't on my level either uh, emotionally or mentally and then also I meet a lot of men that they think they know too much they are afraid to be taught I need them I need somebody that doesn't have a problem with learning from me because I know a lot and I would love to share a lot of the things that I know but I can't because I have to downplay myself I don't want to do that I want somebody who appreciates the person I am and the person I become more and more every day so the men I meet I have to just kind of just dumb myself down and and be quiet so I just I don't waste my time at all Yeah, me either. And generally speaking, they tend to, I tend to not respond back to them the next day or I'm honest with them. And I'm just like, this is, you know, not for me or I don't feel like this is a good fit. Like, I'm very honest with men when it comes to like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, um, I, am, I, am, I am too. And then another problem with the men nowadays they want they they've taken over the role as the woman they want to be chased down and they want to be called and texted and you know they want their ego stroked and that's okay a little bit but it's not because they're no longer crazy about the women the way they used to be so it's no longer equally yoked so it's like you know if you're if you're dating a guy if you're not chasing them down and hunting them down and just calling and texting all day and just making them feel like the greatest guy it's not going to work and I don't I don't have that in me like you know I, I care but I don't care that much 
to to go that far to be with somebody. I want to. I think I want a, a old school kind of relationship and a romance. But right now, like I said, I haven't ran into that. I haven't dated in other be four years here in July that I haven't dated. And I love black men. They are so amazing to look at. They smell great. Some of them have great minds, but our minds just don't connect. And our emotions definitely don't connect. <laughs> and if anybody would like to listen to any of my episodes before, I kind of dissect how the black community has been, you know, led to be inferior, destruction of family homes, ancestral wounds, generational curses. I talk about, you know, how black men just didn't have a solid foundation to even build a family, you know, build themselves up in a way that they could actually, you know, be the head of a household. Um, and I feel like that is where the dis- like the disconnect is. Like they're not trying to head a household anymore. They're trying to have the woman head the household. And, you know, I, I, I dated a guy who would prefer that I work and then they do all the cooking and cleaning. And I was just like, uh, no, I want, like you said earlier before this podcast, I want to be in my feminine energy. I don't want to have to operate my masculine and feminine energy. I've been in my masculine energy, my, like pretty much my entire life because when I say masculine energy, feminine energy, I'm talking about like having to be the dominant person, making all the decisions, making, you know, uh, this decision for the entire family, even though I'm a single person with no children, these black men tend to like, I mean, I can't say this from experience, but tend to like, not be able to have that emotional when they don't have the emotional development when they don't have the uh the family structure and or even examples of what a functioning you know family is they have a loose understanding on how to when they get into their adult years how to date i feel like and, and you know it's not a real topic that i'm well versed in only because I have never dated a black man before and I find that I would want I would be open to it I just there's some disconnect between me and and black men I don't know what it is if somebody could tell me that would be fantastic but like I said I've dated white I've married a Mexican I was engaged to a Mexican who was mixed with white I've dated Italian German I've dated Irish I've dated um, Polish and uh, I said Italian already. Um, and obviously none of it's worked out. <laughs> Let's just say that. And you know what's the craziest part? Most of them went on to get married and have children. So I like at first, at one point I was thinking it was me. And now I feel like it's just because of my skin color at the end of the day, because I have a bachelor's degree. I have no children. I have been married and I have been divorced, but I don't feel like I come to the table with nothing. I feel like I come to the table with quite a bit. And I just don't know how to get that across to um, a group of men that have never accepted me before or found me attractive or even wanted to entertain dating me um, in a long-term relationship. It's just because maybe I'm not in the right environment. Maybe I'm not in the right city. Maybe I'm not, I don't know, but there's just some different, there's some gap in between, you know, my own personal dating black men and just finding that last long lasting relationship. Um, 
none of my previous relationship gave me a, a really good understanding of how to even be in a black relationship only because you know my father was never at the at home like I didn't grow up with my father so my mom was a single parent home and like she took care of us she was always in our masculine and feminine energy and that's what that's how I operate because that's what I saw that's what I grew up with I never I've never seen a black functioning relationship before so do you feel like that may be your disconnect when it comes to dating black men it could be because mm-hmm. I don't I just one I don't no, because I was never taught by my own father. Right. And then two, I just even so I did an episode last uh last week with Juan and I found out that in school, in high school, they used to call me the white white black girl. <laughs> I didn't know that. And why did they call you that? Oh, the reason why they called me that was because I was in uh, all the sports. I was captain of every sport. I was, you know, vice president of my senior class. I was the chief editor of the yearbook. I was in all advanced placement classes. I even took college course classes that I paid for while I was in high school. So the the discrepancy, the, the gap between black people that wanted to have a future, which was me, who wanted to go to school, who wanted to not be a product of my environment. At a young age, I went to school to because I realized education was the only way to get myself out of the the environment that I was in, that I was raised in. You know, we lived in an apartment. I don't know if we had Section 8 or not. We probably did. You know, we ate off of food stamps. Like, I just didn't want to do that my my adult life. So I took the initiative and I became extremely ambitious and driven to make sure that I did not become what I was born into. And that's the reason why I stood out as the white black girl. And and also people used to say I sounded white. I came out the woman sounding like this. I don't know where people get, oh, I sound white. And it's just to sound white means to these people when they say it to me sometimes is that either I'm trying to be white or I'm educated. So I can't be educated and talk in Ebonics is is what I'm getting from when I get those comments. Or, Or it's kind of like a slap in the face, like black people can't just be educated and not sound white. Like I don't understand. So every time I get that comment, I just, I'm taken back because I just don't understand. Yes, I, and I, just, I don't like the fact that um, you can't be intelligent and speak intelligent and if you do you're trying to be white because I'm highly intelligent as well and again I have to really downplay myself when I'm in certain environments and especially again when I'm with black men because they don't they don't understand like I have a really extensive vocabulary but I can't use it because unfortunately I've met some that just don't quite understand or the ones that do understand become jealous of my intelligence like I'm trying to outshine them and I'm not I just happen to know a lot I'm 43 years old so over time I just happen to soak up a lot of things like I don't think that's like a fault or a disability that I have it's like it's it's okay you know yeah no to be well-rounded and knowledge and and you're and be educated should not be a deterrent and a threat to men because 
at the end of the day, who doesn't want an intelligent woman on their shoulder, like on their arm? Oh, unfortunately, it's very, um, it's it's really a problem with men. Because like I said, I've dated, the last man that I dated, he pretty much hit on every single point that taught me not to date again. And he also had a problem, like, you know, I have a, I have a really great job and we discussed, you know, finances and things because I'm looking to move forward and build some things. So right. when I found out that I made more money than he made, that immediately became a problem for him. And it wasn't really about the money. You know, we were taught, we have an, an adult conversation, you know, about going forward. So that just had to be talked about, but it's not to make you feel any type of way, you know. So that just taught me if I do date again, I would definitely have to date up. And I don't want to date someone for their money, but he pretty much taught me that I almost have to. Yep. Yep. I tend to run into that a lot as well. Um, as far as having to feel like I need to date up. But then like how do I go about that route? Uh, every time I've dated up, I tend to find that these men are married. I get hit on by married men a lot, which is so annoying because it's just like, I'm not going to be anybody's side chick. Obviously, I decline all of those. Uh, but back to your point, I just feel like it's just not fair. <laughs> I just think it's not fair because I, I work so hard to be, you know, educated have a solid foundation make sure my mental state is good make sure my emotional state is good but at the end of the day having all of these qualities seems to be a deterrent to men it's almost like they can't they don't know how to 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 i don't know just step up to the plate and just say you know this is what i want are we on the same page take the lead or anything i just i feel like i might even too be you know not educated enough on dating as to be honest like i always say like these are the things i wish they like taught in school like what is a functional relationship how should you be in a relationship how should you show up and how you know what are some red flags green flags yellow flags like you know how to discern if somebody's going to be a good fit for you or not i feel like it also comes back to the fact you have to know yourself and what you want to and i think that what you just said earlier about this guy you know checking up all the boxes of what you don't want it, it makes you realize what you do want um and you said that too I feel like I, I've gone through some of the same experiences that over time, like, okay, I don't want to date somebody who doesn't have a car. I know it sounds so superficial, but I had this guy that I had met on Tinder and I thought he had a car because he was like, oh, let's meet up at this coffee shop or whatever. And so he was on my street and I was like, oh, I'm going to FedEx. And so he was across the street and he came over and got into my car and was like, oh, let's go to the coffee shop and at that point I realized he didn't have a car I'm like no this is a hard no and then like later on like I stopped talking to him but he would continue to still text me like once in a month or something crazy like that and at one point I can I realized he was also jealous of me because he was like oh you have your own apartment you live by yourself you have your own car you don't have to take public transportation and you don't have any kids so you get all this freedom and I'm like where is this coming from I just met you 
that. So people, like he told me like everything that made him feel intimidated by me. I'm sorry, I don't want to be homeless. I'm sorry, I don't want to, you know, I'm be on feet, my feet all day. Like, I'm sorry that you have a problem. Actually, I'm not. Next. Yeah, it's, it's, funny, <laughs> it's funny that you brought up uh, that he was jealous of you because a lot of women don't understand that that's a thing. Like, my daughter will be 21 soon and she has a boyfriend. He's not my favorite, but that's okay. She's learning, you know, and I don't know him. I don't know him well enough to say if he's my favorite or not so let's just say I don't know him very well but anyway I was trying to tell her one day that men can be jealous of women and she said well how do I know I said well you just kind of know it's just certain things that they say and just certain things that they do and once they show those signs you kind of want to get away from those kind because you really can't be yourself with those kind you cannot flourish with those kind you can't get ahead with those kind because they're always be trying to bring you down some in some kind of way so i'm glad you said that so that's also another thing that just it just makes it hard to date there's so many things stacked up against dating and i don't like that i really would love to meet a man and settle down but it's 2023 it's just so hard to do so and i don't want to just blame the men for dating women have their flaws too but unfortunately i feel like men have so many more that they brought out the flaws in women because women can't be themselves so women have decided well you know what i'm just going to do me and men don't like that but they don't want to lead either so it's like what do i do you don't want to lead you don't want me to do me so it's just like okay i'll just stay away from you how about that for now and i don't like that but for me it's just the best thing to do yeah it's safer to be quite honest mm -hmm. and I, I was talking to my therapist and i brought up the fact that um, in relationships, it tends to be, um, oh my God, I keep losing my thought, but when was I talking to my therapist? She studies relationships and she also was telling me about how, oh my God, what was she telling me about? Cause I brought up something. I know that one thing she said, um, crap. Why are you getting that together? I know my therapist, he wants me to date. He hates the fact that I don't date. He says that I'm mean. I'm not mean. I'm just really, really direct. And I've been in a long-term relationship for 15 years. And I dated the last guy. So between those two men, I've just created a bunch of boundaries. And I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't want to understand those. He can not understand one or two. He has to understand all of them and stay within the guidelines of those. So I'm not mean, I just know exactly what I want. So my tolerance is zero. If you do one thing outside of my boundaries, I have to end it. And I don't want to be that hard on somebody. So like I said, I don't deal with anybody until somebody comes along that fits exactly what I know I want and what I need and what I'm looking for. And if I'm not asking for things that I can't deliver. I'm able to deliver all the things I'm asking for and possibly a few more. So I need somebody that can match the way that I feel. Okay, so tell me what is it that, what's on your checklist of what you want from a man? 
well, unfortunately, almost two years ago, I had a really, really uh, bad car accident, you know, that left me uh, mentally different. I've grown up a lot. I've changed a lot. So my main thing right now that I need is somebody with patience and understanding because I'm, I'm a different person. I do different things now. And I want somebody compassionate enough to understand that, you know what, she's been through a lot. I'm not going to put anything else on her that she's been through already or add to what she's been through. I want somebody that I'm able to talk to about anything. A lot of men, when you tell them about your past or about what you're going through, they tend to use it against you. And I'm okay with that. You can you can bring it back up, but don't try to use it to hurt me. They use it as like a as like a weapon. I don't like that. I want to tell you whatever I have to tell you, and you feel comfortable enough to do the same thing with me. I just I want somebody to be themselves. I want to be myself, and I want us to be able to meet up in the middle and make it work at the end of the day. So I don't really have a a huge checklist. I'm not picky. I don't have a type. I just the only type I have. I like my man to be taller than me. That's it. I'm five eight. So if you're six feet or taller, that's great. But I don't have a, a, a I don't have a type. You have to be mentally stable. You have to be highly intelligent like me, and you have to be emotionally stable. And outside from that, you have to be willing to learn. So if the things you're missing, let me teach you. If I'm missing something, you teach me. Aside from that, that's really all I want. And like I said, the last guy taught me that my next man has to be extremely financially stable. So. Of course, that's an option because he made it that way, not because that's always something that I've wanted. And were you giving him money? Or was he always asking for it? Just like I say, once we discussed our finances and he knew I made more, he just always made it a problem. And he just just kind of put a wall of like everything was going great, like the dates, everything, until we discussed finances. And what I wanted to do with my life and what he wanted to do with his, like it just became a problem for him. So after that, he just built, he just put a wall up and he became so, so hard to date. Like, you know, we would, we would go on dates, he would pick me up, he'd open the car door, let me in the car, close the door. Once we had that discussion, it was like, you driving or you want me to drive? Are we meeting up? And I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> what happened? We were just doing so well. The shittery was there. And once we had that discussion, it went out the door. He, he made me be, he, he made me be independent. And I want somebody, I've I, I survived my whole entire life. I want to live now. And he made me have to go into heavier survival mode after we had that discussion. And I'm like, no, this is not going the way I want it to go. I want to relax. I want to enjoy being a woman. I have yet to meet a man that makes me feel that way. I don't feel protected by black men. I just don't. And I want to feel protected, you know, when I do decide to settle down. Like I said, I don't have I don't have anybody I want to spend an hour with, a day with, a weekend with, let alone my entire life. And I mean that makes sense. My therapist once told me that my list was too long of the things that I wanted from a relationship. And we talked about it. I went over everything that I, you know, wanted out of a relationship. Some of the things that I definitely 
um, and still to this day would want, and I created a, a goal by a, a goal Bible, like a relationship Bible, like questions to ask in relationships, like, you know, how to, you know, deal with conflict in relationship. So I've been studying it uh, to some degree and talking to my therapist about it because, you know, I feel like what you, one of the things you talked about was setting healthy boundaries, you know, and that's one of my, um, goals is in a relationship is making sure that you know it's not you know that it's healthy that you know we can work collaboratively that it's functioning um and that's just one thing i won't tolerate in a relationship old or new is somebody who disrespects my boundaries like you said like if you can't do that much then that's a red flag for me that's to me seems like you may be a narcissist we haven't talked about that somebody who just needs to have control over everything um and you know that's kind of enough uh step over the line for me um then you talked about communication you know having that open communication about your feelings about truth and values and expectations um and finances which i think is so important a lot of people don't sit down to have these conversations with their their significant other and I think that um, tends to be a lot of the downfall of a lot of relationships a lot of the times relationships fall apart because when they get to the finances like say for instance somebody has a bad credit score and they try to go buy a house and they can't because one they don't have enough money or what have you so it's really important to know these things up front um, and know what you uh, Some other things that we talk, we haven't talked about is love. Like, you know, how do you, you know, deal with? Can you still hear me, Rayshawn? Yes, I can hear you. I'm just letting you talk. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> qualities that we look for in relationships are important because we want to be satisfied if i get into a relationship and some of the boxes that i need in a relationship aren't checked off like these three boundaries communication um it, it just shows me that the longevity won't be there and i won't be satisfied and i couldn't imagine that the other person would be satisfied because i would be upset all the time um some other characteristics that I would like in a relationship like I said they have to have a car I know that's so specific but I want to be picked up you know what I mean like I don't want to have to come pick you up every time we want to go out on a date or go anywhere and do something and I'm definitely not getting on the train because it's too it's too dangerous here in Chicago to do stuff like that um but absolutely I agree with the car you have to have a car and right now due to my accident I'm not able to drive right now and you, you really have to have one right now because I'm not able to drive. But yeah, you, it's it's not a it's not a a bad thing. It's just an expectancy. Men have theirs as well. We have a right to have ours. So you said your therapist said your list was too long. I don't think there's a such thing as a list that's too long. We all want what we want. We need what we need, and that's okay because there's somebody that it, that matches your list exactly. Then they might add to your list. You you'll be amazed. So I don't think that your list is too long. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times what I've dealt with in relationships, I feel like 
that they weren't proud to be in my company. Like they were either embarrassed or, you know, I don't know, it's just always, and I just wrote that down because I just felt that sometimes I was just like arm candy on some people's arms. Like I just never felt like somebody was just super proud to have me in their company. Uh, you know, somebody who also like is uplifting and encourages me to be a better person every day rather than trying to change me and tear me down. You know, respect is important. Um, you know, I am a type of person, my love language is communi- is affection and spending quality time. And when I say affection, various gestures like holding hands, long drawn out kisses, acts of kindness, just to break it down, like what am I looking for? You know, someone who values the relationship and shows up every day to make and, and demonstrates how important it is to them by investing their time, energy, and so far. So, you know, and I want to be generally happy in a relationship. And I feel like I haven't had that too, because a lot of my last relationships, they weren't very good at communication either. As even whites and other nationalities, they still had a tendency, I feel like to keep secrets. Like, I honestly think they kept a lot of secrets and kept a lot back from me. Um, and so I just think that my list is not too long. And I agree with you because I just learned from other relationships like you did that this is what I would rather have than what I did before. Right. But yeah, that is, you know, a little bit about relationships and how we see it as black women. Um, thank you so much, Rayshawn, for joining me today on this episode of, you know, black women dating and in this world in 2023. So I appreciate your time. And oh, I absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Please have me again. I, I definitely will. I have a lot to say. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I have a lot to say. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you again, Ray. And thank you for listening to Why Me Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michelle. I'll t- talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, Ray. Ray, how are you? Hey, Michelle. How you doing? Good. So, yeah, this is going to be the second part of our uh, episode, part two, segment two, I mean. Um, And I just you know, have some more questions for you, Rayshawn. Just wanted to dive in deeper about who you are and, you know, what it is that made you who you are today. So I guess the first question I would like to start off with, which is what I've asked pretty much everyone on my uh, podcast so far in the first 12 episodes, is what does being a product of your environment mean to you? Well, um, your, your, your upbringing, it should teach you and mold you and be a foundation, but you shouldn't let it be who you're always going to be, if that makes any sense. Like, just because you, just because you grew up a certain way, 
doesn't mean you have to continue being a certain kind of way. You have to retrain your brain when it comes to certain things. That's a that's that's beautifully so well well said because that kind of captures literally everything in essence, you know, that I'm gonna probably, you know, help you or help dissect, you know, into who you really are and what made you who you are today. So yeah, you said that you're supposed to be able to, you know, look at your circumstances and, and say to yourself, like, this is not exactly who I want to be, you know, in my adult life. So I'm going to make these, you know, lifestyle changes to get to the place in person that I want to be. And, you know, you talked about reprogram your brain and, and all of that is so incredibly important. So I kind of want to get a little bit deeper into who you are first before we go into any more of that piece of it. Um, so where did you grow up, Shabrisha? Um, I'm, you know, I'm from St. Louis. I grew up in North St. Louis, the home of, uh, the projects and what you call the hood. I grew up extremely poor. So I do appreciate the way I grew up because again, I've learned some things that I didn't want to be. And I've also learned some things that made me who I am today. So I do appreciate the background upbringing. Um, it's made me appreciate life a lot more than I'm sure I would have if I didn't have such a, a rough upbringing. I can absolutely agree with that. And you and I both um, born and raised in St. Louis. However, I did not live in the hood, which is the complete opposite of what you're describing. Um, I lived in St. Anne, Missouri. <laughs> where it's just, we were poor, don't get me wrong, but we had a decent life, a childhood to stay to speak. I have no complaints about childhood. Um, so who raised you? growing up um my mom and my dad uh they divorced when i was about nine years old and i, I will say that the childhood part was somewhat decent when it came to like toys and fun and things like that but unfortunately uh, my dad um turned to drugs and to alcohol and that led my parents to divorce because of the lifestyle that he chose so i pretty much took on my mom's feelings when it came to that so that part of my upbringing helped me out a lot because I don't really date a certain kind of man I don't have certain kinds of friends because of that I do I hate that he turned to the streets but I'm glad that I was able to learn from it though but did you learn from it or did you did it like put um what am I trying to say basically like a staying on how you look at black men moving forward because I know the first segment we talked about black men and dating and now that we're kind of connecting that to the your parents divorce would you say that that had any type of impact on your uh dating today um somewhat like I said I don't so you know like I said my father did drugs and he drank and he robbed and stealed and he stole and he killed so I don't date men that use drugs so if you want to you want to go out here and do whatever you decide that's on you I don't date men that do drugs and I don't date men that go to jail you go to jail for five minutes I'm out <laughs> because I was raised in jail my dad stayed in jail my whole childhood so I stayed at jail visiting him so therefore I don't want to deal with somebody that now if you go to jail for like a traffic ticket maybe 
But anything beyond that, you can consider me out of your life, you know, that day. I'm not the kind that's going to stick around. Oh, he got 20 years, I'll wait. Mm -mm. (laughs) He got two days, I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) And so knowing all of this, um, what would you do differently in the past if you could? Um... You know, my dad's deceased. He passed away two years ago, and I—the I, only thing—the only thing I would have done differently is forgiving him face to face. I never did that because a lot of things that I went through after my parents' divorce, I blamed it on him, and so did my mom. So it was—it was truly his fault. But I hate that I held on to it and let him pass away without ever getting a chance to say what I had to say. But other than that, I really wouldn't change anything because, again, it made me who I am today. And it made me appreciate life a lot more than I feel like I would have if I hadn't had such a, a rough upbringing. Like, I used to eat sugar sandwiches for dinner. I was It was rough like that. Hey, you and me, we had mayonnaise. We had mayonnaise. Oh, I love mayonnaise. And, and I mayonnaise and ketchup sandwiches. Mayonnaise and ketchup together. And on a good day, we would have chicken and noodles with green pepper and onion in it. And we would do a giant, we would make it in a giant pot. And it would be enough to feed the neighborhood. They're <laughs> 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 so poor. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, it was insane like the difference of environment that we both raised in but how poverty always played a part of it and I think a lot of times you know people that I've talked to in the past they've all been in poverty when it comes to being in the black American culture regardless if you were in a decent neighborhood or the hood or high-end neighborhood it seems that the trend was that um there was always poverty in that person's life. Always. Always. Right. And so, having uh, been poor, how did that change the way you live today? Well, you know, like I said on the first segment, my daughter will be 21 soon, so I just made sure that she she didn't get raised the way I did when it came to the rough part. So I'm not rich, but I do make a decent amount of money to get by. You know, I eat out a lot. My favorite food is fine dining versus sugar sandwiches. And I work hard to never have to go back to poverty again. And I don't want her to ever have to go to poverty. So I work really hard to make sure that me and her are very well taken care of. And when it, when it comes to um, my childhood and my relationships and friendships, I've noticed that I only get along with men that have the same background that I have. I tried dating um, the person that was raised on love. I was raised on survival and I, it didn't work for me. And that's interesting that you say that. Cause I know you say that, you know, your mom and dad were married up until you were nine. Now, did, did they love each other? Did you see that in the home, Black love? Oh, absolutely. I was I was raised on Black love. Uh, so when my dad decided to get hooked on heroin, he had went to the Vietnam War. And back around that time, Vietnam used to be an actual prescription. You can go to the store and, and get it. It was legal. 
But once the military found out that heroin, you know, makes your adrenaline pump and keeps you going and you don't feel wounds and you just you just fight nonstop, they took it off the shelf and they made it a drug. So when my father got back from the war, he was now hooked on heroin. So after the after that, him and my mom used to have like physical fights. And that's when she decided, you know, I'm raising four daughters. I'm not dealing with that. And that's when she decided to let it go. But prior to the heroin, I had an extremely great storybook childhood. That's interesting you say that too about your dad and his heroin addict. So my mom, the reason why she was a single parent mother, um, me and my sister, actually I have two half sisters. One sister I lived with up until 16, 17 or 18. And we shared the same mother. And then I had another half sister uh, who we share, share the same father, but different mother. So the sister that I shared the same father with, he, you know, raised her. Um, and so what I had found out, my mom didn't really tell me anything about why he wasn't present in our life, but she did when I got into my late mid thirties, early mid thirties. And she told me that he too was hooked on heroin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's went to the war. I don't know anything about my dad. So I've never seen black love in the family. And that could be a contributing factor as to why I don't seek it either. Right. That could be true. Or why does it's not drawn to me because I don't put that type of energy out there because I've never seen it before. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting how our backgrounds are so different, but then in some aspects are so alike. Right. Um, the fact that my mom didn't tell me till later in life and I didn't get to, I didn't see it also makes a difference in how I was raised because I never saw drugs. My mom didn't have men coming in and out of the house. She was never married while, I mean, she was married by some guy, but like, that's a whole nother story, but they didn't live at the house. Like we were, if, if she wasn't there, there was just me and my sister there. And maybe my grandmother would show up occasionally, but definitely when we had to go to church. Long story short, I just don't see, I now can see the, the correlations, the connection between my own uh, discrepancies with my father, dysfunctions with that situation, because I never saw it. And like, you saw it. So I know that had to like affect you in some type of way. like and our father's both doing heroin. It's like, what is the connection here? What are the implications? Like, Well, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, heroin was, was just an easy to get drug. Before they, before they made the war on drugs and cocaine, it was always heroin. So it was always just a staple drug that just never went anywhere. Like it's still around now. It's not as popular, but it's still around though. It was just really easy to get then. At it. I just think it's sad because I feel like our lives would have been different. I know I don't regret anything that happened to me because I've become extremely successful on my own accord. Um, and I haven't had to ask anyone for help, honestly. And 
I don't attribute like I forget like thank God you said that about forgiveness about you know not being able to do that I haven't done that either in my lifetime so it might be something since that's something that you wish you did I might do because like it has I feel like hindered me in my adult life I really do I really 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 do it definitely in my 20s because I had no boundaries whatsoever um, when it comes to dating and so you know not having him there to be like okay here's you know the games that men play or here this is how you know that somebody's doing you right you know I feel like those two aspects would have made a big difference I agree like with my mom you know um when they divorced she's I still learned a lot from her even about men and about women and about friends now when it came to her after they divorced she never dated again before she passed away she hadn't dated had sex flirted phone conversation with the man in 35 years so I decided that you know I watched her die alone I don't want to die alone so I, I do want to be with somebody you know I want I want every I, I love black love I want black women and men to heal and get back together. That's what I that's what I truly want. But like I say right now, it's just not permissible with my life. But I do I do definitely want that though. It's a great thing. And that's a huge piece of the puzzle, Rayshawn, is that we all need to heal. And the whole point of me trying to do this podcast is to get that message across to the people that need to hear it. You know, black Americans don't have a corner or safe space to, you know, be able to express themselves, talk about the stories and things that have happened to them, you know, things that have happened to their ancestors, things that have happened just in general to them to make them who they are today and how we can come together to to solve some of the problems. Maybe people just don't know what to do to heal. And I feel like it's my responsibility at this point in my life because I'm so aware of it. And like, I've always been the type of person that wants to help others and I feel like you know one of the other pieces of it is just because I you know never had the opportunity to talk to like black women or men because for 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 me honestly I really didn't have sit down conversations with my mom about men money and friends and stuff like that I was just told I was not allowed to pretty much do anything if she you know didn't approve of it it was either I, I couldn't spend the night at a friend's house. I got punched in the face once for doing it on an accident. And it was wild. I was like not a troublemaker at all. Like would I say I was captain of every sports team I was on, track and field, soccer, uh, basketball, every uh, group that I was a part of, every class that I was a part of. It's like either, you know, top performer or, you know, the lead of some kind. And for some reason, it was just never good enough. And I always feel like that still to this day. Like, I'm never, like, nothing's ever good enough. Like, right now, I'm in a place in my life, I'm super successful, you know, doing well. And I still feel like I'm not enough to be able to, like, I'm not where I want to be. Like, I'm always wanting more and more and more and more because I feel like I don't have enough. And, you know, these are the these are the types of characteristics that I developed from my mother because she hasn't healed. Like you said, I feel like her trauma became mine. And genetically speaking, it is true. 
Well, unfortunately, that's true because, you know, again, I was raised poor in the hood. And during that time, it was a stigmata placed on getting help and getting a therapist. It was like, oh, she must be crazy. She's going to a therapist and you weren't. But to the world, you were. So I made sure that as a parent, the first sign that I saw my daughter you know, not being happy, needing some help, I got it when she was nine years old. Because I wanted her to have, like you say, a safe place and someone to talk to outside of me because I don't know everything. I don't have a solution for every single problem. So I can I can help you. And then when it came to me and my childhood with my mom, I was raised, I didn't get hugs, I didn't get kisses. I was never told I love you. And I was okay with that because I got to know my mom as a human being and not as a mom and I don't think a lot of people do that they just feel like oh that's my mom that's my dad true but they're a human being also so what I did was when I was 10 years old I wrote my mom a letter I remember the letter I remember everything about it It was front and back pages 10 pages long and she had like a little top drawer you know how you keep a drawer with all your junk in it she had that drawer (laughs) that's several drawers like I put the letter I put the letter in the drawers I opened the letter up like you know page by page because all she so she can scoop it up so when she got home I ran in my room I was so scared I'm like oh my god now I'm scared that I wrote the letter I pretty much said a lot of stuff in this letter you know and I I peeked in her room and I saw her get it I started like really getting scared and I ran in my room she came to my bedroom and she woke me up she goes which I was asleep you know I was pretending to be asleep and she woke me up she goes hey come here and I go in her room again I'm so scared she says I had no idea you felt this way about me and I said well yeah I do and from that day forward to the day she passed away we became the best the best of friends we talked about anything and everything so I think that with some parents you have to go to them they don't know to come to you because they didn't know to go to their parents so I created my own friendship and bond with my mom and I made sure raising my daughter I let her know that hey you can come to me no matter what I've, I've, I've wrote her letters I've bought her cars because some things are hard to talk about face to face but I still made sure to get my point across and let her get hers back across to me because that's important that's amazing Brisha. I've never heard anyone say that before and I honestly feel like I should take note of that and try it myself because my mom she still deals with a lot of trauma I feel like she still avoids like uh going to therapy and even acknowledging that she may even have some traits or habits that she could you know areas of opportunity I would say I wouldn't say like you know, something bad about it. It's just areas of opportunity. And I feel that she, so basically my means of being able to do the some, something similar to what you're doing or what you did to build a relationship with your mom, I'm honestly just trying to lead by example. I've been in 2021, July, 2021, I was attacked or almost attacked by my ex-husband who tried to kill me and you know I fell into a very dark place for over a year where I didn't want to look out the window like I had I stayed in my friend's basement who let me live at her house for seven months in the basement where there were no windows and I just went to like the bottom and after going to you know 
after I bought my car on my birthday, because he totaled out my car, after I got my apartment, and, and, and mind you, I'm going through survival mode. I haven't even gone through any type of emotional, like, um, expression whatsoever. I didn't cry, I didn't do anything. I was just like, I have to get a new car. I have to get a new apartment. I can't stay at these people's house. So from July to September, it took me like a month and a half to get my new car that I drive now. And then I, it took another seven months or yeah, seven months to get a new apartment because the housing market was all jacked up in 2021. I had never expected to move. So I wasn't tripping off the housing market. And so um, he threatened me so much. I had to move out within three days. Um, and then, you know, the I had money saved. I had my credit cards all paid off. I had money in the bank that I, well, emergency funds for like six months. Like I had it all. Like I, when I say I was successful, I had it all. And he came in and destroyed everything in one night. My car, my credit went down, my um, finances, you know, I had to go to court all the time for trying to get a restraining order that they never gave to him. He literally got off scot-free. And basically what I'm trying to say is that trauma put me in a really dark place. I was, I was depressed, anxiety, didn't want to look out the window, didn't leave the house at all. But at this time I wasn't crying because I was in survival mode. So by November, I ended up getting my car and I ended up finding an apartment. So I was like, I need to go to therapy because as soon as I get into my own place, I know that I'm going to have an emotional expo explosion. So one year later, so November, 2022, I get through therapy and I'm back on top again. And I'm just trying to show my mom that you can overcome stuff. Like you can overcome trauma. Like you can actually live again. And I feel like, I feel like showing her by example, like I'm also helping my sister change her life style. And I had her move to Chicago. They just moved into their first apartment that, and they've been on their jobs for seven, actually longer than that. Cause they moved down here in July as well in 2022. Um, so they've been here since then, and now they're about to buy their first car here in Chicago. They live in the suburbs. My niece is going to one of the top schools. She's scoring at the highest level. And I'm just so thankful that I can use her, my sister, as an example by one, getting her to change her lifestyle, and then also three, show my mom that, look, she can change her lifestyle. I've changed my lifestyle. I go to therapy, Jamila should be going to therapy. She will be as soon as I get done with her. And I feel like it's only done me a service, a positive service, because every time I've had like a fallout or, you know, my ex-husband tried to kill me or I had, you know, major surgeries that came out of the blue, I always bounced back. And that's all I want my mom to see is that you can do it too. And that's the way that I've approached it. Awesome. When it came, you know, when it came to my mom and she decided to stop dating, I have three siblings. You know, they gave her a hard time and thought it was something wrong. I said, leave her alone. That's how she feels. And as I've gotten older, I'll be 44 soon. I see why she made that decision. I see why. Because me being single and not dating, 
I have so much peace and the only way that I'll date or settle down again I have to like the person as much as I like myself because I love being around me and I don't want somebody to come in between the relationship I have with myself so if they can't accommodate me the way I accommodate myself it's, it's a no-go so I definitely understand why she decided what she decided and you know, it's so funny. I finally got my thought back from earlier, what me and my therapist had talked about. She studied uh, relationships between men and women, probably other, I, this is the only side of the coin that I know, but she talked about how single single women are more happier than they are when, than in, in a marriage. And men are actually happier when they're married because they tend to have more structure foundation and things of that nature i agree (laughs) and i agree too because every time you know now that i've lived by myself since what 2018 when i got divorced um i'm so used to being on my own and like living on my own like i don't even know if i could cohabitate again because I feel like it would be just too restrictive. Like I don't have kids, so I don't have I don't have anyone to take care of other than myself and my cats. And it's just like I, I don't even know if I want to date because I don't want anybody to move in here. I actually made a joke to one of the guys that I'm like kind of seeing for almost eight years. Anyways, um, I jokingly said, "How about we get separate houses? Just the houses are out next to each other." He was like, "I don't like that idea." <laughs> Well, that's not a joke because I've made that decision. I never want to live with a man again. If I get married, he can have his house on the other side of town. I don't mind. I can have mine on the other side of town. Gives us some place to go. And I've got a lot of stuff. Furniture, clothes, jewelry, accessories. I'm not about to merge my world with their world. My furniture is red and pink. I don't want gray furniture. I don't want black. I like red and pink. My bedroom is turquoise. I like it turquoise. I'm not about to change my color scheme to fit you. And then, like you said, I just don't want to, I don't want to share my space. Because some days I like, I need complete, total solitude and silence. Same. And that is something that I've seen in relationships like the guys are just so they can be they can tend to be really controlling i don't think they they get it like they are all very like egotistical i guess their testosterone gets in the way but they can be very controlling and like when i just want to sit back and read a book or just sit in silence and just you know just be with my thoughts I feel like they always want to show me a TikTok video or watch a movie or we can't, you know, fill the space with just nothing. So, yeah, I prefer my space. Like, I run out of that person's house every time. I'm like, I'm ready to go now. I got to go. My cats need to be fed. Any excuse to get out of the situation. Exactly. Um, I cannot sit around someone's house and be in their world all the time like i feel like this person wants me to live for their world in a sense because it's like get rid of all your stuff you don't i need all of the stuff i've accumulated this these things for a reason because i like them they make me happy you know if i were to go to your house and not have anything of mine i'm not going to be happy and you're not going to be with the person that you originally had in, you know found interest in anyway because now I'm happy I got none of the stuff that made me happy. So it's just like, 
yeah separate houses it's not joking like i was very serious i just i can't cohabitate separate houses for the win <laughs> i agree separate financial accounts too because there here's the thing i don't know a man that hasn't cheated or a woman that hasn't stepped out in a relationship either or not both but it could be both but i feel like it's not worth it definitely separate financial accounts now we can share one if you'd like but i'll always have one or two of my own or what though you're living separately even if we get married i still want my own <laughs> i still want my own accounts that's just me oh i'm i'm gonna get my i was married and i would not share my accounts and he had more money than me i don't want your money either like i just want to still be an individual like i don't want to be you know meshing with somebody and become somebody totally different because that's where a lot of issues come in relationships is when the people change from what they you know had originally fallen in love with exactly i agree so my individuality is one of the most important things that i could you know keep because my characteristics you know a lot of people are drawn to my energy i'm type person that tends to heal just by talking to others and I just don't want to be I don't want to lose that aspect of me and that aspect of me is very like it heals me to go to the and that's it. me too so I mean other than that I feel like we learned a lot about you know connections and bonds and you know relationships and I feel like the biggest takeaway here is, for me anyway, is to forgive my father and do it face to face and really work with my mom to build a, a connection and bond there that makes her human and me human too and we can be the best of the friends. Like, I really want that. Like, I that's what I really appreciate you sharing because that piece was really important to me. That's yes, really very important. Like, do you know, before my mom passed away, uh, she was on hospice and, you know, people came to visit. And of course, all my siblings were there. My uncles were there. His wife, my, my grandma was there. And my dad stopped by, unfortunately, too, you know, because my mom just didn't care for him. She stopped talking to him in 1987. I mean, literally not one word until that day. But anyway, everyone needed time alone with her to apologize and address things I'm the only one that didn't because I felt like I got a chance to say everything I ever had to say my you know my entire life because we opened up that door so anytime right. she made me angry if I made her angry we still brought it up later we never went with you know days and months without talking it was always okay six o'clock let me call her let me call her you know so it was, it was it's very important to have a relationship with your parents because you have to get to know them to get to know you and to get to know why they did certain things the way that they did and then it also helps you understand why you do some things the way you do right now as an adult yes. I noticed myself with my daughter I'm like oh my goodness my mom used to say the same thing or she did the same thing and I tend to do things that work for me or I say things to my daughter that work for me I don't really I don't really want to say, you know, my mom, she wasn't really me and she wasn't really strict. So I give those same benefits to my daughter because they work for me. My mom didn't have men running in and out of the house. She wasn't dating. I don't. 
because I felt like, hey, I, I kind of like that. So I respect my daughter the same exact way. So it helps you become a better you, in my opinion. I feel like what you just shared, I, anybody and everybody, uh, doesn't matter what race, could learn from you right now. You are so wise because I am sitting here taking notes because I'm like, wow, this is really powerful information because I didn't know that. I didn't realize that you could even have a relationship with your your mom and dad on a different level, on a human humanistic level. I feel that I'm, I'm just really happy to have heard that part because I just now want to take it and use it myself. Right, because they're people. They're your parents. But if, when, when God created us, God didn't create me and say, okay, I'm going to make her a mom. He created me to be who I am. I became a mom along the way, but that wasn't his intention. So before anything, like I tell my daughter, before anything, I'm a human being first. Then... I'm your mother, then I'm a wife, then I'm a friend, then I'm a this. But before any of that, I'm a human being. Yeah, and we could go into that topic all day long when it comes to the Constitution and government and the people around us, but I'm not going to go there yet. No, that's a, we'll, be, yes. we'll be doing this podcast for three days if we go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we really, really would. Um, but no, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's incredibly um, insightful, incredibly wise, and something that anybody and everybody could take note of and try to implement it in their lives. I feel like the world would be a different place. Yes, it really would. There wouldn't be so much pain and mental hurt and mental health needed with the world if it, you know, if it was like that. I agree. And that is honestly the whole point of another piece of my podcast is the mental piece, the, the having the right mindset and being in control of your thoughts and the the way that, you know, it doesn't control you. You want your. You want to be able to control your thoughts. Um, but yeah, this has been incredibly helpful, Rayshawn. Let's see what we're gonna talk about next. But thank you for talking to me about you know what your thoughts are on you know the topic of being a product of your environment and just giving me your little your life story because it is important to to share that. So thank you again, Ray, and we'll be talking very soon. Right, so we'll we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, we will.